Welcome to Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. My name is Bex Perfect. I'm Van Collar. Boom! It's movie time. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to be back with you talking movies because obviously we're now in a lockdown again, and it's it's nice to have something cinematic to look forward to. And also, it's the 250th uh, Off Screen. It is, and what a way to celebrate in lockdown 2.0. <laughs> but actually, do you know what? It's funny because I think. Something like this is never more prevalent than when we're in a scenario where actually we need stuff to keep us entertained. You know, we've got everything for you from the new releases that are out on digital through to what you can watch on your telly box and even what is streaming online. So guys, don't worry, lockdown 2.0, Van and I have got you covered. So should we kick off with some of the new releases on digital? Yes, so I am overjoyed to be able to talk about this one because I, I expected nothing of this. I knew I knew nothing beyond sort of a basic like log line. It's a you know elderly Chinese grandma in America. I'm like, okay, and it somehow involves gambling. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm sure that'll be very entertaining. This is I won't get excited. For that. This is Lucky Grandma, which is available on digital yeah. today. And um, yeah, Van, I mean. This is a wild ride. This stars Sai Chin from uh, the Joy Luck Club, and uh, it's mostly in foreign language, so it is largely subtitled, so no clip, sadly. She is a chain-smoking grandma, Grandma Wong, who has a passion for gambling. She also has something of a curmudgeonly, very comedic attitude towards the world. She's very droll. She's almost basically a Bill Murray character. And uh, she goes to a casino, has a, a poor night at the tables, and uh, with this is sort of a part of a of those community trips that old folks go on yeah to like atlantic city in a bus <laughs> on the way back the guy who's next to her on the bus uh, slumps over and dies leaves her a bag of money which she of course just opportunistically then takes and she then finds herself being pursued by evidently the money's true owners and has to seek protection from a local uh, sort of street gang herself taking on a sort of doughy but good-hearted protector it's bonkers i absolutely loved it i i genuinely thought it was great so you saw you saw this as well didn't you? yeah i did and i have to say like what i love about her is she's so brazen and she's so like yeah not what you'd expect grandma wong to be like she is grumpy as and I, I was like when, when, when we say it's called exactly. lucky grandma it's like no it should be grumpy grandma or bad grandma you know it's like it, there's so have much we, have we had bad this. grandma yet is that I we've don't know we've got yet, bad grandpa which is I'd say a terrible film yeah, with Robert we, De Niro. I'm sure they'll cover it at some point yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved it too. I loved it I think it was smart funny uh, very different, and as you say, bonkers. That's it. I mean, it's it is this madcap and quite broad comedy, but it's wrapped up in this veneer as well of being like a respectable, quote unquote, proper drama. Like it's like it's a proper drama being visually told before you, but then it just goes off in these wild comedic directions. It's got this sort of it's like one sort of charming but quite aggressive energy to it. Like it's just you know popping at the seams, like it really wants to lash out at you. It's it's. You know, it's kind of bold and cheeky at the same time. I thought it was great fun. It reminded me of something. You make this in the late 1990s with, like, Judy Dench. Yeah. You know? Be like, it's like Judy a... Dench and someone like a young Seth Rogen back in, like, 1999. It's like a grandma caper 
Like that's kind of how I describe it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think a lot of fun. It's kind of a, it's, it, it's, it's a diamond in the rough with this. You, you don't, you like, like you said, you went into this expecting nothing, and we were like debating what do we want to cover in the new releases this week, and you're like, oh well, we could try Lucky Grandma, and it's like we lucked out trying Lucky Grandma, and that, we did, we did, we got lucky. Yeah, there we go. So look, that is available on digital from today. Um, if you can catch hold of it, it is well worth your time. Do not worry about the subtitles it is like parasite engaging enough that you just see beyond that and you enjoy it for what it is you know i've still yet to rewatch parasite i keep seeing it on my amazon prime because it's there now i keep seeing it on the you know movies we think you'd like at least i'm like oh well, of course i like this come on i'm the easiest guy to like parasite i, I keep meaning to rewatch it I've yeah just not had the pleasure yet. i'm gonna treat myself this weekend that's what i'm gonna do treat yourself absolutely now speaking of treating yourself i'm not sure if this is going to be as much of a treat but um the first <laughs> the first <laughs> Movie of this, I suppose, now mini franchise is, is one that I really loved, which was um, the original movie was called A Street Cat Named Bob. A really heartwarming true story about a lovely street cat who befriended um, a guy and they became lifelong pals until actually in real life, poor old Bob passed away not too long ago. Um, but uh, we now have a sequel, unbelievably. I don't know why. And it's just in time for Christmas. It's called A Christmas Gift from Bob. I haven't seen this one because I didn't really want to taint the first one. You took, you took the bullet. How was it? Oh, well, taint the first one. It does, Rebecca. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is, believe me, this is less a Christmas gift, more a lump of coal. Oh. Um, just very, very fluffy coal. Oh, it yes. is um, it's mostly told in flashback, so it's kind of weird anyway, in that we get sort of a flashback told sequel to the movie we saw before, which seems kind of odd, like we could have just skipped that step. And it is effectively a point in which uh, James Bowen, who's the ex-addict uh, singer, Busker, sorry, uh, who is also you know best friends with Bob the Cat and obviously has turned his life around because of Bob the Cat, has now become something of a sort of minor local celebrity. Yeah. But at the same time, time he's not really getting anything tangibly from it so he's still quite down on his luck and he's sort of you know living at home with no heating on and he's barely scraping by like feeding himself and bob and at the same time he comes into the uh, crosshairs of the local animal control rspca types who uh, feel that uh, bob is uh, in unsuitable circumstances and should be removed from james immediately and this is all happening around the time of christmas and i'll let this clip aptly demonstrate how clearly they're going to hammer that point home for you. That cat does not look happy to me. Can you control your dog? We wanted to chat to you about a couple of concerns. You can't take him away from me. Let's, it's in let's... the cat's best interest. If a guy who works on the street is being separated from his cat at Christmas, it's got to be done by the book. You've got to help me. We're threatening to take Bob away. They should. Anyone who knows the man and the cat, get in touch. You have proved your love a hundred times over. It's not normal for a cat to be out in the streets. James gives Bob the choice to stay at home or go out with him. And every day, Bob goes with him. Just listening to that clip, I would say it sounds all right. It sounds like what I'd expect to get from good old Bob. What makes it tumble down into the depths of bad Santa, should we say? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean that. I mean, I mean, um, I don't mean the film. I mean, as in, like, you're you're a naughty kid. <laughs> oh, 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 Santa's naughty list. Yeah. Um, now, for me, I mean, actually, to be fair, if if we're being really honest, if you're one of the people who was only watching a street cat named Bob for Bob, 
then you're going to enjoy this just as much anyway, because the Bob character as he is, is still, you know, exactly as prominent and exactly as staged as he was before. The issue is obviously the human drama story, which last time around, you know, was quite mawkish and cloy and mm. ugh, and just, it was schmaltzy. Yeah. It was it was it was schmaltz. You know the the icing was literally drizzling over the sides of it. You know it, it was all. Uh, it was an exceptional episode. It really was. It was. <laughs> but there was at the same time though there was this faint element of respectability and charm to it. Yes. That made it just about sort of unironically sort of well not basically ironically enjoyable because the whole thing about this film is it's now unironic. It just is what it is. Yeah. And that's perfectly fine. I mean I. I don't think it's a particularly good movie, but I appreciate that anyone watching this movie is probably going to be watching it for Bob the Cat, and that's absolutely fine. I will point out, though, it is directed by Charles Martin Smith, okay, who's uh, replacing, I think it was Roger Spottiswood, did the uh, the last one, the Bond director, Roger Spottiswood. Um, Charles Martin Smith. Do you know what Charles Martin Smith directed in the last few years? This is genuinely true. Enlighten me. He directed the Dolphin Tale movies. True story, as well as A Dog's Way, is it A Dog's Journey or A Dog's Way Home? One of those two. And then you see this and you think, that hiring absolutely makes sense because that's where this sort of would-be franchise is now going to sit. Would you say that this is a paycheck movie? They've just shown up, they're getting paid for it, there's no heart to it, they're, t- they're I think it. everybody involved. I, I think everyone involved in this is of such stature that you probably could have made this movie for, like, let's say, five million quid. Okay. And it's merchandisable enough on the back of Bob the Cat... Unfortunately, especially so now that he's, you know, tragically been taken from us as well. Incidentally, that is a horrible story. I had no idea. How many thumbs did you give this one? Objectively, I'd be like half a thumb. As a film, it's a half a thumb. But you know what? If I'm going to watch Bob the Cat, if I want to watch Bob the Cat, which is why I'm watching this, well, then it's probably two. Oh, no. So down to personal preference. (laughs) You have to, you know what I mean? You have to judge these things on their own merits. This is an objectively terrible movie. But if you judge it on its own merits, it's a two, it's a two thumb movie. I'm sorry, it is. Oh, wow. Well, I thought, I thought I'd, I'd lift it up and say, look, this is a half thumb movie. So let's end this segment <laughs> on a high. And what, how many thumbs would you give Lucky Grandma? <laughs> uh, Lucky Grandma's a whopping two thumbs for me, but that's on any merit. That's yeah. on, that's unobjective. That's, that's within the universe. Lucky Grandma is just superb. I had a blast. Welcome back to Off Screen, and now keeping you firmly in the realms of the Freeview arena, because who doesn't love a good non-cable subscription? I mean, really, is there a point in paying for cable in like the era of streaming? But anyway, beside the point, Freeview exists. We ought to pay a TV license for it. We might as well get some cinema out of it. Uh, where better to start than one of the great cinematic action romps? Literally cinematic. It is about cinema action romps of the early 1990s. It was meant to be the high point of an already exemplary blockbuster career, it wound up almost completely derailing it. It is, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger's 1993 summer blockbuster effort, Last Action Hero. Do you remember this one, Bex? Yes, I do, and I actually really enjoyed it. That's the thing. It's one of those movies that 
bombed critically and commercially. Yeah. Didn't quite find its audience. But in recent years, because it was a sort of parody of the genre, it was very self-aware, has found a whole new audience now that people are generally more ironic in their sense of entertainment. People are generally more self-aware and questioning and meta about everything. So it's since become a sort of eh, underappreciated gem, I think. I have a very vivid memory of me being yay high and going into my local <laughs> video store with my dad. This is sort of an action fantasy romp that's sort of weirdly aimed at both teenagers and adults in the yeah. at the same time. It's very strange. It's a very crossover theme. Uh, it follows Danny Madigan, played by Austin O'Brien, in one of what I think is one of his only like four film roles ever, and then he just stopped. As Danny Madigan, he's a young uh, child of divorce. Uh, his mom works nights. He sneaks off to the movies, which is his one true passion, and uh, one night finds himself sucked into the screen via way of a magic ticket during a preview of the new uh, entry of the action cinema Jack Slater franchise, which is like this cop action lethal weapon type series in which Arnold Schwarzenegger is the world's single greatest renegade LAPD detective. And it sounds an awful lot like this. The bad guys are in there. <laughs> you know something? I think you should be wearing this. I don't think I've earned it yet. You don't understand. You just solved the entire case. You just revolutionized the entire history of police training. I mean, all these years at the academy, studying human character, psyche of the terrorist, fingerprint analysis, all the courses that I've taken in surveillance, hostage negotiation, in criminal psychology. I mean, all I had to do is just drive around the neighborhood and point my finger at the house and say, the bad guys ain't there. You think you're funny, don't you? I know I am. I'm the famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Schwarzenegger. Do you know what? If there was ever an Oscar nomination for Arnold Schwarzenegger, that would have been his clip. That would have been. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty and exemplary moment, isn't it? So this, for me, sits up there with, I think, some lost classics, like Super Mario Brothers mm. and films like that of the 90s. Ooh. Let's never call Super Mario Brothers a classic of any kind. I, I mean, loved wow. it. I loved oh, it. You need to seek profession. Wow. No. No, 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 no. I'm a massive Nintendo fan and I'm a massive uh, Super Mario fan. And Dennis Hopper as <laughs> King Cooper. Like, okay. I am a ride or die Samantha Davis fan. But no, no. I'm, I'm oh, sorry, we'll, we'll agree to, to disagree on this Super one. Mario Brothers. Oh, I really Even Samantha Mavis can't can't save it. Then the I'm great, sorry. No. The late great and it, and it even has. Come on. And now it even has Johnny Legs, man. Even Johnny Legs can't save Super Mario. Anyway. Anyway. Last anyway, Action anyway, so, really good. No, no. So I feel like this is like '90s bonkersness. Like taking that mm. similar concept of what they did with the Super Mario Brothers of just throwing you into something fantastical but making it feel real at the same time like the reality of it I, and I think it only worked for some people in the 90s and this is where this kind of falls into I think it was enjoyable I like the fact that it's now got a new appreciation albeit ironic but um, I would revisit this now and I would definitely see what it's like I think Arnold Schwarzenegger must have got better with acting over time because that just sounded horrendous so for, <laughs> for that reason it, it is it really <laughs> is peak it was very representative of the sort of the action image of Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time it was theoretically the ideal Arnold Schwarzenegger project for that specific time but the problem is the narrative itself is just a bit too meta for it to have, have been appreciated in its time it's noticeable that like a decade later when things like Shane Black are more commonplace that changes you know well, once was... you get past Scream and things like that 
Yeah. Well, that changes. I was going to say, it's got Shane Black who's written the screenplay here. So anyone who doesn't know Shane Black... Well, that's the thing. He's one of the founding guys of this movement. He's, one of the, he's the guy behind Lethal Weapon. Yeah. And also, the thing is that his original screenplay got so watered down by the time they actually made this movie that it bears no resemblance to what his original work was. That's a shame mm. in itself. Let's just say... It's a fun movie. It's worth your Saturday night if there's nothing else for you to do because there isn't because we're in lockdown 2.0. So why not take a trip down memory lane, go and see some vintage Arnie, not necessarily at his best, but you can definitely lose yourself in the weird world that is the last action hero. So on to uh, another kind of action hero then. Do you like a good pirate, Max? I do, especially when it's voiced by, is it voiced by Hugh Grant in this one? It is. So this is, I think this is an Aardman project. Yeah. this is yes. one of the sort. This is one of the sort of you know less well received, well less popular. I think it was decently well received, but it wasn't very popular. Ardman Projects is Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, which features uh, Hugh Grant as the pirate captain. His name is Pirate Captain. They call me Pirate Captain. That's exactly how he describes it, and he is the uh, the leader of a, a, a rag, ragtag you know band of misfits. The movie is actually called Band of Misfits in other other territories, um, who include people like Martin Freeman, and they come into the uh, into the path of Darwin as voiced by David Tennant, yeah, who basically notices that their parrot is in fact the world's last surviving dodo, and turns the uh, turns them into basically overnight celebrities, and it's all part of a scheme the pirate captain undertakes in order to become. Pirate Captain of the Year. However, in order to get there, he has to rely on his misfit crew, all of whom have more prescient matters to deal with. It's the looting. It's the cutlasses. It's the looting. It's the cutlasses. Looting. Cutlasses. Sorry, Captain. We were just discussing what's the best bit about being a pirate. Oh, you were, were you? I suggested it might be the looting. Whereas I contend it's the shiny cutlasses. And I thought it was a chance to catch exotic diseases. I'm disappointed that you said that this wasn't well received because (laughs) I found this hilarious. I remember watching this and really enjoying it. It's disappointing that it didn't do as well as it possibly could have done. Now, this came out in 2012, right? So England was on a high, you know? (laughs) This is is the year in which we we would have enjoyed and and relished in something like this. And also Mm. with all the stalwart uh, actors that voice all the roles. It is very funny. And it's, it's a good, good job from Hugh Grant leading the pack on this as well. It is. We tend to forget about this one in Hugh Grant's repertoire. Like, everyone seems to have this weird image, like he popped out in Paddington 2 and just surprised everyone. Surprise, I can do comedy now. Now I'll go and do Guy Ritchie. And we all, like, seem to forget that he'd he'd, he'd done this, that he'd, like, to return to darker-edged comedy rather than sort of staying in the sort of rom-com terrain we knew him from. He's a very strange guy as far as playing his own brand goes. I can't figure out if he wants to indulge it or subvert it and it seems to be a mixture of both but uh, with with Pirates and Adventure with Scientists I think he's just really good fun and there's moments where he's bouncing off for instance like Jeremy Piven you just think this is so weird I kind of love it but the fact that it's Ardman allows them to pull it off. off the mindset. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the magic of Aardman and, and everything that it does. So, you know, if you've followed Aardman over the years, you know, I think they just keep getting better and better. But this is one that's up there for me. Um, it's on perfect timing as well. Sunday, ITV2, 1.30pm in the afternoon. Sit around with your kids. Go and enjoy this because yeah. this is going to be fun for all the family. And, you know, it, it's a real joy to watch and, you know, go and support our great British cinema in the way that we can right now. So on to uh, Monday then. Monday evening, one for the adults then. This is uh, Inception on ITV4 at 9pm. We've talked a lot about Inception in recent months because of Tenet, obviously, as well. Uh, suffice it to say, the cut-down version of this for time reasons as well. We'll just say it is a mind-heist movie in which Leonardo DiCaprio and his elite team of varying heist tech heist artists are enlisted to hack into the mind of Killian Murphy during an international flight to basically implant the idea to sell his dad's company. He hasn't got any surgery scheduled, no dental, nothing. Wasn't he supposed to have a knee operation? Nothing. Nothing that I've put him under for anyway. We need, we need at least a good 10 hours. Sydney to Los Angeles. One of the longest flights in the world. He makes it every two weeks. Well, he must be flying private then. Not if they were unexpected to maintain us with this plane. It would have to be a 747. Why is that? So a 747, the pilot's up top, the first class cabin's in the nose, so no one would walk through. But you'd have to buy out the entire cabin and the first class flight attendant. I bought the airline. It's in Nita. It's a modern classic, I think, Inception. It is a movie that you can read seven ways from a Sunday. I think it's far less complex than everyone thinks it is. But uh, I think it's, you'd say it's a pretty rousing sort of action thriller from Christopher Nolan, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think a lot of people will also say, bad ending! <laughs> the other thing. Um, it, is, it is one of those conundrums of cinema which people walk out and go, huh? Uh, Tenet probably more so now where everyone's like I really don't get it um, but uh, mm. look enjoyable nonetheless totally builds Christopher Nolan's repertoire as the man that mind bends you when you are watching mm. one of his movies and this is one of his most loved so you know it's on Sunday night ITV4 9 o'clock perfect time uh, sorry it's on Monday night apologies Monday night uh, <laughs> Yeah, God, I'm getting it. I'm, We're in I'm, lockdown again. Time has no meaning here. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's perfect for Inception then. Um, so ITV4, 9pm exactly. on Monday. It is a good thing to watch if you've got nothing else to do. See if you can work it out again. That's all I'd say. Welcome back to Off Screen. We are keeping you on the couch with your second half of the week because we are making sure that you are watching all of the top movies that are available for you on Freeview on your telly box. So we are now at Tuesday and it's a sinister, scary Tuesday for you. Who would have thought Halloween has already passed? Uh, we are starting off with um, What Lies Beneath on Five Star, 10.35 p.m. Oh, a good time for this. This is the uh, Robert Zemeckis uh, horror movie starring Michelle. Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. Um, and it follows a lady called Claire who uh, moves in with Norman to his old sinister house and she experiences some disturbing supernatural activity. Are you angry with me? What? Maybe you resent how busy I've been. No. You know what I've got at stake with this paper. You know how important this is to me. I can't help but feel that somehow you're you're trying to sabotage me. You're trying to hurt me somehow. Norman, Norman, this isn't about you. Something is happening to me. And it's it's not to get even or and it's not some warped bid for attention. 
something is happening in our house, whether you like it or not. So amazing cast on this one, which is obviously uh, you've got uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in the lead as Claire. You've got uh, Harrison Ford as Norman. Veritable who's who supporting cast members as well. But it's a really sort of grand, old-fashioned, very sort of, you know, chic in the 90s. You know, Nate, a couple of character actors on the poster, decent, uh, made-for-adults concept thriller. And this was made by Zemeckis during a break in filming in Castaway. So the way that had worked was that Tom Hanks and Robert Zemeckis had filmed the first half of Castaway, basically all the pre-island stuff when... You know, Tom Hanks is obviously his yeah. normal everyday weight. Zemeckis had then taken the entire crew from Castaway over to go and film What Lies Beneath and then took the crew back to film the second half of Castaway in which Tom Hanks had then lost a lot of weight. So that's how this actually came to be. So the entirety of What Lies Beneath is made in the time it takes Tom Hanks to diet from size A to size B. That's something you should always bear in mind with this movie. The other thing was it's it became kind of weirdly iconic for its mm. time. It was one of the first it's one of the first movies I can remember being released that I would describe as being memeable in a time before we really had what we now think of as memes. Like the yeah. image of Michelle Pfeiffer in the red dress wound yeah. up getting used in one of the scary movie, uh, one of the early scary movie, had one or two or something like that, the the uh, Your Wife sequence. Yeah. I think that got done in a few things. It became sort of memorable, I think, for its twist. And this came out around the time of sort of Shyamalan and things like that. So yeah. it sort of slid in riding that wave, even though it was a much more studio-driven, mainstream and conventional film. I also think that it's got one of the most iconic posters as well, with the bathtub, with yeah. the hand over it as well. Always, I mean, considering that this was made 20 years ago, it's still a very prevalent poster. So some great marketing behind that. Look, it's an all-round great movie. And it, you're, you're right, it replicates kind of the feels of what you'd expect from the 90s when it comes to horror and thrillers. I know why you like this poster. It's because the poster for this oddly resembles a point horror book cover. That's exactly why. How dare you reach into my mind to know exactly why, <laughs> why that is the case. But yeah, most probably, yeah. Overall, it's a really, really solid film. Great performances. You know, this is kind of a heyday for Michelle Pfeiffer mm. for, for Harrison Ford. And it tips us into a completely new sort of decade of movies. And I think it, it kicks off the two, the 2000s very, very well. Absolutely. So um, on to something, what we describe as a bit more conventional by today's standard for Wednesday night's entertainment. Channel 5, 10.45pm. It's, it's, it's part of the, the well-esteemed Liam Neeson on a dot, dot, dot series that we've had the plane the train the automobile uh have we we've had the submarine and the snow and the plow. snow plow <laughs> but anyway this one this is this is the train one this is liam neeson on a train so this is 2018's the commuter in which he's a man laid off from his job gets on the commuter train home and whilst he's sort of sat on the journey uh, vera farmia sits down opposite him and uh, basically issues him a challenge that for a specific amount of money all he has to do is find one person one random stranger on this train who she only has a rough description for i don't understand someone on this train does not belong all you have to do is find them that's it this person is carrying a bag you don't know what it looks like but inside that bag is something they have stolen this person goes by the name of prin it's not a real name they will be on this train until cold spring 
you find them, you find the bag, that $100,000 is yours. Don't leave the train before finding the bag. Don't tell anyone about this offer. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Simple. I thought this was hypothetical. To be fair to this film, actually, I mean, it is, you know, it's decent. It's about as decent as all these standard Liam Neeson actioners are these days. But by the standards of, you know, the standard Liam Neeson actioner, this at least attempts to be quite Hitchcockian at points. Mm. And I actually respected that. It goes big. It really goes for it. It knows, you know, it knows the limitations of the standard Liam Neeson actioner. It knows why you're there and why you've paid the ticket price. And it's it's going to deliver on that, but it's going to have a little Hitchcockian fun while it's at it so it's in it's in the upper echelon of these Liam Neeson actioners you know obviously there's Taken that's pretty much the only good one and then all of them after that have been quite subpar but eh, you know it's this is enjoyable this one's got ambition I'll give it that yeah Um, so that's uh, a perfectly enjoyable timing as well 10 45 probably set you off to sleep about quarter past 12 that night but uh, it's not like any of us have to be up early for the next month however on Thursday nights 9pm, ITV4. Bex, do you fancy a visit to the future? Do you know what? I I would encourage everyone to clear their diary to go and visit the future with this one because we are talking about... I remember that year, it's my only five-star film of the year uh, when when I reviewed it. Yeah, It is Blade Runner 2049 on ITV4, 9pm on Thursday. This is a masterpiece in itself and critics loved it the audience it didn't make the money there was one it was one way or the other it didn't make any money it didn't make any money with this one I think it was critically incredibly well received I think everybody respected the hell out of it but and and we can I'll I'll debate it after we do the the clip and the setup and everything but there are issues surrounding that to begin with Um, so this obviously is the sequel to Blade Runner so 1981's Blade Runner by Ridley Scott you know the iconic work that was which itself was an adaptation of Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Uh, follows Deckard, uh, the, the bounty hunter, effectively hunting the replicants, synthetic people, effectively, androids. Um, we now pick up the story uh, 30 years later in 2049 in uh, Los Angeles. We have a new character. I think he's K, K? Detective K, yep. played Officer by K. Uh, Ryan Godwin. Officer K, Officer Special K, right? Ryan Gosling, Special K, uh, who is uh, the synthetic who is basically tasked with a new case that sees him basically burrowing into the, the secret un- underworld that has now erupted around the uh, the synthetics and how that might come to change all of society as a whole and how it might even be important enough to bring back Harrison Ford to an iconic franchise. Are they all constructed or? Do you ever use ones that are real? It's illegal to use real memories, officer. How can you tell the difference? Can you tell if something really happened? They all think it's about more detail, but that's not how memory works. We recall with our feelings. Anything real should be a mess. Not sure how this is going to translate onto the small screen because when I think when we went to review this, we were in an impact cinema. It was you could mm. feel like the base of like when his um, his spaceship would like land, like it would like 
hammer through your body. It was quite incredible. And everything yeah. about this is an immersive experience. And this is what makes this like an all round five star film. It's got a great narrative. It's got brilliant performances. It's got an incredible setting and view and the cinematography as, as you'd expect from Ridley Scott and from what you'd expect from the original Blade Runner. It is amazing. Well, that's it. I mean, because this had Roger Deakins on cinematography um, and it was it, it was like nothing you'd ever seen before. Denis Villeneuve doing, you know, bringing that very cerebral way he has of seeing his films to the idea of an originally created, for, you know, sequel to Blade Runner rather than, because obviously I think there have been attempts to do a sequel to Blade Runner in novel form. Yeah. So I know there was a novel in the late 90s, at least, that I believe was taken as the official sequel. And uh, they didn't do that. They went in their own original direction. They brought in new characters. They brought in Robin Wright, Jared Leto. There's an incredible resurrection via CGI, um, which has to be seen to be believed. I think it's a genuine masterpiece. I wish all sequels were this good. But you can see it for yourself on ITV4, 9pm on Thursday. The, I mean, it didn't make as much money as they wanted it to, but how could it? Because Blade Runner was never a commercial hit. It was, however, an artistic hit, and you can see exactly why in this absolutely brilliant sequel moving on to more unappreciated movies meanwhile though Friday night I've got a perfect this is a banger to send you out for the weekend well keep you in for the weekend at any rate Bex how do you feel about a good body swap movie on ITV2 9pm what do you think yeah I'd be up for this particularly with who is involved in it but I've never actually seen The Change Up this is starring Ryan Reynolds and also Jason Bateman two people who I very much enjoy watching on screen together this sounds right up my street perfect perfect popcorn movie for a Friday it absolutely is. It is the movie. It's the movie you think it is. If, I, if you just have those two actors and word body swap inserted, yep. which is one of them is the uh, is, is the sort of put upon dad, you know, the sort of you know uh, suburban the married dad lawyer type goes to work. Yeah, married lawyer. The other one is a sort of freewheeling sort of, you know, ladies' man type. Three guesses which one plays which. They get drunk one night, pee into a fountain at the same time as I think a lightning strike, and swap bodies, and then have to assume <laughs> one another's lives. You can imagine how this then plays out. This is called a suit. You know, every day, along with a necktie, black, not white socks. Dress shoes, not shower sandals. Please, of course. These Underwear. Are awful. Oh, come on! No, 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 hey, no, no, no more commando. Mitch, you're a grown-ass man. Put them on. This is called a schedule. It tells you everything you need to do each day: pickups, drop-offs, activities, playdates, doctor's appointments, etc. You'll notice that there are approximately 50 hours worth of obligations on any given day. Make it work. This is called a grocery store. People buy food here. It's part of your responsibilities. Before heading to the market, always call Jamie and ask her if she needs anything first. In fact, before making any decision in your life, no matter how small, call your wife first. Think of yourself as a brain-damaged mule, lost in the desert, helpless, dumb, and in constant need of direction. Never take the initiative, never strike out on your own, and never deviate from the plan. Why? Because you're a brain-damaged mule, and you are lost in the... Damn desert. I actually think this is really unappreciated. It's just fun for what it is. It doesn't have any aspirations above being a sort of just a, you know, 95 to 100 minute long bro humour body swap movie. It's not too grotesque in its sort of toxic masculinity or anything. So it's, you know, it's, it's perfectly enjoyable all around the gender spectrum, I think. There's uh, some questionable moments involving the grotesque way they uh, sort of vilify a pregnant Leslie Mann. uh... (laughs) yeah okay fine I think also if you're just listening to that clip as well you're getting what you want from Ryan Reynolds in this he is oh totally yeah he's he's doing what he does best so look that sounds 
right up my street for a Friday night. That will round off the week nicely. So you've got a good selection of movies this week on your free view and your telly box should you want to watch it. Ending up with ITV2, nine o'clock, the change up there for you. Um, so my big pick for the week, though, I'd say Clear Diaries, watch Blade Runner 2049. There is probably nothing that is going to beat that this week, but the rest of the week you've got sorted anyway. Welcome back to Off Screen for One Last Ride. This time, well, there's not really anything out on uh, home platforms such as DVD and Blu-ray this week, Bex, I'm afraid, because no. uh, well, <laughs> we've had a bit of a drought this year and there are going to be some dry weeks. So uh, we're going to have to uh, keep it on streaming and entirely on Netflix and entirely on next Friday, November the 13th of which there are three movies coming out that we're going to talk about for, for a few minutes as we round off the show this week. Uh, the first is The Life Ahead. Now, this seems to have crept out of nowhere. This stars Sophia Loren. Oh, wow. So Sophia, yeah. So, and the, the, it's literally being marketed as The Legendary Sophia Loren Returns. Wow. Okay, that is how you do it. Okay, I'm interested. So she is a Holocaust survivor who takes in a sort of streetwise urchin, a sort of like little, you know, hoodlum. And it's basically like the blind side with, the, you know, Holocaust survivor and a little black kid. It, I'm like, that sounds great. Count me in. Yeah. And she's 86 years old, guys. She's 86. That's incredible. No retiring from there. That's well worth a watch. I can't wait for that. Exactly. So that is out. That's, that's a subtitled one, obviously. That is out on uh, Friday, November the 13th. It's like all of these movies are. But that is the legendary Sophia Loren returning. So that'll be, uh, I think that's, that's worth a look in. That'll get some imaginary water cooler. What do we have? What's water cooler talk in the age of lockdown? Uh, oh, no, it's from Tuesday. What's <laughs> yeah. I'll bring it up on the Zoom call. Yeah. I don't know. Um, a WhatsApp group, don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, oh, God, we're all going to have to start Zooming again, aren't we? Anyway, yeah. so also out on that day, because obviously, as we, we've proven with uh, with you know the street cat named Bob this week, it is the time to start watching Christmas movies, apparently. So uh, we've got one of Netflix's originals of the year. It is Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Wow. This, starts, this is like an all-star cast, uh, an all-star African-American cast, predominantly centering around Forrest Whitaker who is a sort of shopkeeper slash inventor type who's basically facing poverty at Christmas and needs his one great invention to survive and he's just going to get around to finishing it and um, basically his rival played by Keegan-Michael Key comes on. This is all captured quite Tim Burton-esquely if mm. you can imagine that but sort of brightly palleted and it is an adventure about his rival Keegan-Michael Key basically trying to steal this 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 creature who uh, is cutesy and little and golden and, and I think has a requisitely cutesy name that I've forgotten, but it's in the clip. If I know anything about your grandfather, there's something sensational in that. Wow. I'm Buddy. Whoa. <laughs> I'm actually flying. <laughs> if I have that toy, I'll be unstoppable. It's foolproof. <laughs> You are proof that there are fools. Fools, 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 fools. This is the only place where I've ever been where I finally felt like I belong. We have to get Buddy back. Now, for anyone who might be thinking that this is referring to something completely different, the word jingle jangle is used in another <laughs> Netflix show 
called Riverdale, and it is it is the drug. Ooh. Yeah, it, it's it's the name of the the most prevalent drug that is referenced in um, in in Riverside, used by the Southside Serpents. So any right. Riverdale fan watching this are going to think it's a completely different movie. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me that Riverdale has joined the likes of Arrow and Beverly Hills 90210 in the esteemed ranks of inventing their own street drug? Because I love it when they do that. Yeah, they 100% have. So it was, was it Euphoria on 90210? Like the kids were addicted to yeah, Euphoria? Yeah, totally, di- totally addicted yeah. to it. Um, but that, that <laughs> I'm just thinking just as a, a caveat for anyone listening who also is an avid fan of Riverdale, you may be thinking yeah. that this Christmas journey is something completely different. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be much crossover somehow between the audience for this very obviously aimed at specifically African-American children, yeah. I would think. A Christmas movie would happen with, with Riverdale. I don't think that would be, be there. Um, it looks like a decent amount of fun. Um, that's what yeah. I like quite a lot in the cast. I'm always happy to watch Keegan-Michael Key in anything. It looks like he's getting the chance to do that. That very broad camp villain thing that he does here. Yeah. Uh, seeing Forrest Whitaker being the requisitely kindly old man figure as well. Got a lot of time for that. I mean, I like it when he gets a bit more Rogue One style bonkers, but <laughs> um, I've got a lot of time for this too. Looking forward to it. Just, yeah. just looks like a lot of fun. I think yeah. uh, Felicia Richard, I think, is in there as well. Oh, so, I love Felicia Richard. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so then moving on, we have one more, one more offering from Netflix. Netflix, as you can imagine, will be keeping you chilled uh, next Friday. Uh, the Minions of Midas uh, available again next Friday. Well, I did think that uh, Universal had finally gone nuts and released another animated film to uh, to streaming for a second there, but this is not a Minions spin-off. It's just called The Minions of Midas. It means my- Minions in the actual other sense. So this is uh, <laughs> this is a sort of a foreign line. I guess a sort of Spanish language thriller. It's called Los Favoritos de Midas uh, in its original. It's an adaptation of uh, Jack London's short story. It's uh, been now been made into a six-part series about this rich businessman who is blackmailed by a sinister organization organization uh, remotely and told if he doesn't pay you know certain blackmail payments at certain times a random person will die he does it doesn't necessarily have to be anyone close to him or in his life just a random person in the world will be killed if he doesn't make schedule payments like 50 euros on a specific time and place like two weeks in the future wow. and there starts this frenzied police investigation to try and get to the bottom of it in advance it's a lot like the movie the watcher only it's not terrible <laughs> good to know it's <laughs> what i'd say about that <laughs> if you're gonna do a comparison it's always good to give that little that it little breaks my hard to say that about a movie that stars keanu and james spader but i just gotta say it's like the watcher but not terrible anyway um it stars uh louise tozar who is one of those sort of foreign language faces that you just he's that guy from that thing you know he's, he's yeah he turns out you so it's like he's been you. in like four <laughs> foreign language films that you absolutely love, but you just don't remember them offhand. Yeah, yeah he's, he's one of those guys. Very serious face, but uh, the trailer's a lot of fun, I can say that much. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, there you go. You've got your Netflix sorting you out on streaming next week. So if you're looking for new things to watch, Friday the 13th of November. Oh, it's Friday the 13th. Oh, how have they not re-released, you know, said movies on those I days? I know. What a trick that is missed. (laughs) That is your roundup. That is your seven-day guide to everything movies, ladies and gents. We have rounded you up for another week, sorted you out for lockdown 2.0, at least in week one. (laughs) We'll be back next week with more brilliant movies for you guys to watch, whichever way you fancy watching it. So for now, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return.